You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I am Michael Halcombe and I'm here with my friend Fred Long. Fred, how are you? Hey, Michael. Uh, doing good. Finally warming up here in central Kentucky. Uh, the white bass are biting. That's exciting. And uh, yeah, they put up a good fight. <laughs> nice. You just bought yourself a little boat not too long ago, right? Yeah. Sadly, it's only gone out twice. And the second time it uh, overheated or something. So I got to do mm. some small engine repair. Hopefully I don't need a new new motor. But yeah, it's a cute little boat. Uh, headed out with another couple, my wife. And I'm looking forward to kind of just enjoying the water a little bit, maybe doing some trolling, catching some hybrid bass or stripers or something like that, or just finding a place to uh, disembark and have a little picnic or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Right on. It's, it's actually cold here today. It's windy and rainy. Well, it's cold where I live, but if you go down the mountain from where I live, then uh, it's hot. So it's it's crazy the microclimates we have on the island here. It's yeah. it's really it's it's kind of like unbelievable to people when they experience it. But yeah, um, so we are at Galatians two three, and I think we're gonna try to do the same thing we did in the previous episode. Get a verse in on this side of the break, and then after the break, another verse. So. Two, three, and then two, four. At least that's our goal. We'll see uh, okay. where it goes. We, we kind of never know where it's going to take us. But um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the Greek of verse three. By the way, um, I did a recording of the entire chapter of Galatians 1 uh, and posted that, I don't know, a few recordings back. So if you want to hear an entire chapter in Greek, um, you can go back and listen to that. But I'll probably do the same for Galatians 2 once we wrap up discussing the verses of chapter 2. So uh, here we go. Galatians 2 in Greek. Alude titos osinamu elen on anankaste peritetheme. Ooh, I got that one wrong. Peritemethene. That's a tough word. So we have, it's tough because we have four consonants in a row. Tamethene, peritamethene. So the word before it's also a little bit uh, tricky because we have a gamma kappa and we get that unk, right? Uh, So we get the enankaste peritamethene. Yeah. Yeah. Those are a couple tricky back to back words right there. Do you think think that would have sounded, I mean, because that's kind of a critical point that he's making right there forced to be circumcised. Yeah. I, I wonder, I mean, we have a bunch of harsh kind of like slow down sounds here. We get the they twice. We get the, so in the first word, we get the ain unk, right? So, and then as they, and then cas they, I think, yeah, we get this harsh, these couple of harsh sounds that, slow down a little bit i mean for a native speaker they don't necessarily have to slow down but it, and then we get the pe ri t me the ne 
So I think it's a lot of harsh sounds, and I think it is very attention-getting. If you look at the all the previous words in this verse, they're all very, very short, one or two syllables, um, right? And then you get these longer, stretched-out words. And so, yeah, I think they're, and they're all harsh kind of sounds. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think, we get a deliberate slowdown here and a deliberate harshness here that draws attention to these two words. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is interesting. I'm looking at the opening conjunction, of course, I like the conjunctions, that he begins with an al-al-ude, al-ala. Uh, usually you... You, when you think of an Allah, it's working with a negative before it, like an ukala or a may, dot, 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 Allah. And here it's kind of difficult to make sense of the logic. It may have, so Allah marks correction. So not this, but this. Um, and I don't know if there is so much of an explicit correction, but maybe an implied it may be working with the may posts, uh, lest you know, in order that I would not be running in vain, nor, but neither was Titus uh, circumcised, uh, forced to be circumcised. So maybe it's it's not. Um, so I wasn't running in vain, but I have an idea. Was, I have neither an idea. Was Titus forced? That, that doesn't quite make sense to me either. So yeah. Yeah, what's your idea? So my idea is that verse two is sort of interruptio. Um, he, so if you go back to verse one, if you were to just cut out verse two and go straight to verse three, I think your, your alude makes sense. Uh, right. So verse one, then after 14 through 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also, but not even Titus, who was with me being Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think it works a lot easier if we understand, too. He, he doesn't go on a, I don't know if we'd call it a tangent, but when he, when he comes back to verse 3, he's picking up the thought at the end of verse one. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's, yeah, that makes sense. I do think there's still an implied, Ooh, um, there's an implied negative or there's an implied expectation. I guess it would be a, an implied positive because here the, but the correction is a negative. So I think there's an implied positive And that is that Titus was circumcised but yeah, not yeah. even Titus was forced to be circumcised. Right. Yeah. yeah. So a, there's a correction in, in the sense of what, what actually was expected to happen from a certain vantage point, and Paul denies that. He corrects it in terms of a denial that not even Titus was forced to be circumcised. Yeah. So, yeah, can let's talk a little bit about circumcision. So this is a key issue uh, within Galatians. Uh, I have some thoughts on this. I'm curious to hear 
Uh, I mean, for anybody who spends any time in the New Testament, circumcision is one of these things that you're like, man, why were these guys so fixated on? Why is there so much about eating and circumcision? Like these are two really big deals in the New Testament. So what are your thoughts um, on circumcision and why it is such a big deal in uh, to the troublemakers or even to the Judeans here. Um, yeah. 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 That's a big $2 million question. Um, well, circumcision, as everyone knows, I think goes back to Abraham. Uh, that's something that, that God commanded Abraham to do and to his children and to his servants. Um as a kind of a sign of commitment to Yahweh, uh, as Paul will argue, however, it come that that requirement comes after the initial blessing of Abraham, and um, that he believed in God as credit to him as righteousness. So the circumcision command comes after all of that. So Paul is going to argue that faith actually comes first, trusting. In God's promises, that comes first, and circumcision is not directly a part of that. So that's how Paul's going to argue. But in the history of the Jewish nation's um, struggle to maintain its identity and its location on the land, faithfulness was seen in terms of adhering to circumcision. So the Jewish people were often persecuted and ridiculed for being circumcised. They, there, uh, there was, there were com a comedian, um, get which one, a satire, uh, Roman Latin uh, comedian who made fun of the Jews uh, for always being um, horny and sexually uh, ready because their glands, the male glands was always exposed. And so, there's, there's kind of this perception that they're just kind of a horny people and, and perverse because they're, they're always ready to have sex because their glands is always exposed. So that's kind of floating around in the culture and people's, you know, male, the male penis was always, could be visible. People could know like who's circumcised or not because toilets were public, baths were public. And uh, so you could, athletic events were done in the nude. So you could see whether or not a male is circumcised or not. And then there was attendant, uh, often persecution or ostracism with it. And then during the Maccabean period, so in the 150s, 60s uh, BC, uh, 70s, really, there was persecution against Jews and babies were killed that were circumcised and hung around their mother's necks. So this was under Antiochus Epiphanes, a terrible persecution. And so because of this being like a boundary marker for them, that goes back to Abraham, and because they were persecuted, um, there was an urgency really to, if people are going to be claiming the faith of Abraham for them to get circumcised. Um, yeah. So, so why why not why not like cut an earlobe or why not I don't know do something oh, yeah. else that could 
identify or mark oneself as yeah. a, a servant of, of God. I mean, it's why yeah. genitalia? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I've spent some time thinking about that. My wife and I, we've been reading through Genesis and we were like, why did, why, why the circumcision? And there were other forms of circumcision in the world, ancient, ancient world, but the Jewish form was different because it was uh, all the way around. There was a, a form of circumcision in Egypt, but it was more just a slit, uh, I guess, rather than cutting the whole foreskin out, just kind of s- slitting a little bit of it. Um, Gilgal, I guess, where like the nation had to be recircumcised coming out of Egypt, probably because they didn't have the proper complete circumcision, means all means around Gilgal. So Dr. Stone, Lawson Stone argues that it was called Gilgal because the circumcision they, they underwent was all the way around. Um, so I suspect, honestly, that circumcision is is a, it becomes very quickly a metaphor. God says, uh, you need to circumcise the flesh of your hearts. So that in, in the law, this is already found in Deuteronomy. And so the circumcision itself, I think, identifies a place of very prominent sin in the world and violence to people. And that is through male sexual organs, honestly. I think I think that the number of rapes and uh, kinds of abuse of male dominance has come um, in sexual acts. I, I don't think that could be disputed. Honestly, I think pornea, sexual morality, is often listed first in vices in Paul's letters. Uh, if you go to different places, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, Verse three, this is God's will, your sanctification, abstaining from sexual immorality. It's listed first. I mean, when identifying exactly what God's will is in terms of holiness or sanctification, the very next first thing that is listed is pornea, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality occurs first in other lists um, as w- that we could see. So I suspect that circumcision was chosen as a concrete marker of you need to submit to me entirely. And one of the worst ways that people violate other people is, is in terms of male sexuality. So that's my, it's my take on it. Um, and then it also is a symbol of, of the heart that, that our heart, the excesses, the desires of the heart need to be circumcised, just like the male penis and the desires often associated with that need to be circumcised. I think apparently, I think I think circumcision reduces the pleasure sensation of, of males. I think that that's true. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that that's kind of interesting as well. Does that mean? prolonged pleasure for the female because the male is not so intensely you know intensely pleasured uh so he can last longer i don't know i'm wondering about these kinds of things you know like if there's you know some other physical reason but yeah i'd be repeating myself if i keep talking now yeah what are your thoughts on that i think um so i've mentioned this before i've been preaching through genesis for almost a year and a half now we're 
we're almost done just a few more chapters left and the very beginning we get this mandate of be fruitful multiply and fill the land and it becomes a it becomes the mandate that that i think is part of a covenant that continues an everlasting covenant yeah and it is a it is a major theme that carries on not just through genesis but through the whole of scripture but especially genesis and uh like later in exodus we will read that a master he cuts a mark into a slave's ear and what that does is identifies him as the master's slave Mm -hmm. forever and that makes sense right because well you cut it in the ear because it symbolizes the slave listening to or hearing the master and obeying his orders and so i think in genesis where you have this be fruitful and multiply and fill the land sort of mandate and motto it makes sense that god's slaves the males would circumcise themselves similarly cut their man part because it was the source of their fertility um and well, what about females, right? As, and as part of the male's household, I think the females were considered circumcised if the male was. And so just as God passes through the animal skins in Genesis 15, now God will pass through Abraham's skin and the skin of his line and all the offspring born will be God's slaves or God's people. So I think it's a slave mark in a sense. And um, it, it is... Uh, saying as God's slaves that we yield not only our physical body and the part that generates life and uh, fertility, but all our offspring who are born through this circumcised part of the body will also be marked as your slaves. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's that, that's my own my own take. Yeah, on it. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a like it's a sign that the child's life will be preserved <laughs> and continue to perpetuate everlastingly the lineage of Abraham, and uh, that's my own take. So basically, submitting the male organ to a mark uh, that belongs to God uh, at a point of vulnerability and and the point of blessing that God wants to bless and and have multiplied, you know, fruit. Exactly. Which was, you know, everyone, everyone recognized that's a blessing, but to kind of damage or mark that organ that's responsible for that as belonging to God. And so all that needs to be done according to God and in view of God's <clears throat> promise for blessing. <clears throat> and then every seed produced, every offspring produced has come out of that <clears throat> sacrificial uh, offering of, of yes. marking. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I don't think that's incompatible with what I'm saying. Um, it's, it's, it's a more positive reading, but I think it's, you know, basically submitting that very organ, which is responsible for procreation, submitting that to God and having that be the mark place of marker. Exactly. Yeah. Because he has mandated be fruitful, multiply, fill the land. And how do you do that? Well, you do it with mm-hmm. that organ. Yeah. And so you, you yield that to God. Yeah. yeah that that is a sac- sacrificial uh, dimension. Very good. Yeah. Well, so Titus is the one with Paul being a Gentile. And so there he's profiled in his description that is really an appositional uh, verbal uh, predication, being a nation, being a Gentile, that he was not forced 
to be circumcised. And I, one thing I've been wanting to say about this idea, idea of the nations being the nations among the nations is the Romans depicted the nations on, uh, in statuary. <clears throat> and so they'd say the nation, the ethnos, Eudeo, uh, Eudeans, like uh, it would name the, the people group as the ethnos. So each people group was, was known and identified and, and even recognizable in statuary. And they had different statue depictions of these people groups. And they, they had a particular dress or hairstyle or, or something um, sadly, well, so at a, at a place in Turkey, modern day Turkey is in Asia Minor, uh, Aphrodisius was a very a famous uh, statue making location. And there was a big imperial temple they built there built that had statues of the 50 nations uh, listed. And we have remains of many of the statues. Sadly, the, the ethnos of the Jews, Eudeon uh, is not there anymore. We just have the inscription and the, the statue um, platform. So we no longer have the actual statue. So we don't know how the Jews as an ethnos were depicted. Although each of these ethnos, uh, ethne were women. So that's interesting that you, you represented different nationalities by women images and statues. Yeah. Hmm. So I just want well, to make that Of course, point. we get a particular kind of ethnos here, though, an Elaine, right? Elaine on being, yeah. being Greek. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was mistranslating that. Yeah. So rather than an ethnos, we actually get his, his, that he's a Greek ethnos. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, uh, let's take a break here and hear a word from our sponsor, Glossa House. And then on the other side of the break, we'll uh, check out verse chapter 2, verse 4. So listen to this briefly. Looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level? We here at Glossa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit glossahouse.com to find what you've been looking for. Glossa House, language resources for the global community. All right, welcome back. We are discussing Galatians chapter two, and we're moving on on this side of the break to verse four. And um, I'm going to go ahead and read that. There's also, man, uh, some long words in this uh, verse. So remember how in, at the end of verse three, well, at the beginning of verse three, we have a bunch of short words. It's like, doo, 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 doo. and then like at the end of verse three, they start to get stretched out. And then right here in verse four, um, we have a, the verse starts with a couple of small words, but then the words get very lengthy. Um, and so, yeah, here we go. Diade tus parisactus pseudadelphus utinas pariseothon catascopese, catascopese, rather, ten elefterianemon 
en echomen en Cristo Jesús, ina emas catadulosusim. Yeah, so some long words in here. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, the de indicates a new development. Um, diat with the accusative. You this need is to like our yeah. fourth de in a row. I mean, starting in verse two, you get uh, aneven de, and then katidian de, and then verse three, al ude. Yeah. And then here the other. Yeah. yeah. So he's really the, the the narrative is moving quickly at this point. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a good observation. Then you have a dia with the accusative, which means on account of or because of. So dia with the genitive, we, we think of as through, but with the accusative on account of or because of. And then we have um Suda Delphius. So false brethren, and then you have this uh, adjective uh, per isaktos, per isaktos, uh, which is uh, brought in in secret. So secretly brought in, it's in the attributive position. The secretly, because of the secretly brought in false brothers, who uh, the etenes who were brought in in secret to scope out our freedom, which we are having in Christ Jesus in order that, that they would enslave us. So that's, that's verse four. Uh, so it's going to continue on into verse five uh, at like the, the flow of thought. So um, yeah. So these guys are slipped in and, and they're, they're, they're slipping in, it says to katascopeo, uh, to scope out, to scope out or scope down, to look down upon. I don't know, to spy out. Yeah, to spy on spy our freedom. Out. Yeah, to spy on our freedom. Lie in wait for uh, our freedom. And then that freedom is elaborated through the relative pronoun clause, a ekomen, which we are having, present tense, which we have in Christ Jesus. That's yeah. interesting to think that you can spy on someone's freedom. <laughs> like, you, you know, it's one thing to spy on a person. It's another thing to spy on freedom. Um, you know, because I mean, how do you spy on an intangible, I don't know, impersonal thing? And, you know, freedom is a, an abstract concept. How do you spy on an abstract concept. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly when Eleftherion, Eleftherion, um, this idea, I think, often carries a political connotation. It's not just like individual freedom. It's it's freedom uh, politically. Like, this is what is shouted when Caesar is, uh, Julius Caesar is killed. Mm -hmm. um, Libertas, you know, they're stabbing him to death because he was a tyrant, a king, over the Senate, you know, and um, they didn't, over the people, they didn't like that he usurped it. And the Jews are fighting for their Eleftherion uh, um, during the Maccabean period. Uh, so here, it's, it's, it's a broader concept is my main point than just like an individual freedom. It is, uh, 
uh, yeah. to broader freedom. It's like a social freedom. Would they have seen it in in their f- food choices or just their discourse among people? Like, could they could they would they have seen it in their dress? That- well, I think it goes back to what you were saying in the uh, previous portion of the podcast um how people it was easy to identify circumcised and uncircumcised men because everything was public uh i i think it's maybe talking about that right he's got uh titus on the one hand and barnabas on the other um i guess you can spy out their (laughs) their freedom i wonder if it's sort of euphemistic here um he's referring to the ability to still be a Christ follower while being circumcised or while not being circumcised. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think it must be to include them, include a Greek or a, you know, a a non-Jew in, in fellowship to feel at ease with that and welcoming of that. Yeah, someone and, and later Paul's going to give an example of a meal where they left because of uh, Gentiles being present. So, yeah. so maybe that's part of the freedom too that they can eat in a mixed way uh, and not not needing to leave the table if if you know certain people come. And that kind of thing. But I mean, I think it's a fair question. You know, what, what are they seeing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it says that they're doing this in order that they might enslave us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what in, enslave us, how, I mean, so you, you have a clear, you have the, this clear contrast between freedom or liberty and slavery. And so how, how are these false brothers whom I assume are the same as the troublemakers? I think mm-hmm. these false brothers who slip in are the same mm-hmm. people who are the troublemakers going behind Paul everywhere he goes and seeking to undo his work. I think they're the same faction, at least yeah. a, a contingent of the same faction. Yeah, I mean, he gets really mad at them in Second uh, Corinthians ten and eleven. I mean, he calls them, you know, eight, you know uh, false brothers there, and and that kind of thing, super apostles and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. Apostles. That'd be a good band name. Uh, the super, super apostles. apostles. Um, oh man, I love that. Yeah. Just the the like dripping with sarcasm. Uh, it's so funny. Yeah. What's <laughs> bothering me about this verse is that I don't see a main verb. I'm looking for a main verb and I don't see it. Because uh, you get the etiness uh, clause. Then you have the ain relative pronoun clause. Then you have the ena clause. And then we have to go to verse five, which then begins with another relative pronoun clause and then has an ena clause. Um. What, what do you think about the the uh, uh, anankazo in verse three? 
neither he was forced to be circumcised because because false on account of the false brethren. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but then the dead becomes a problem there beginning of verse four. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, was moreover, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that becomes the problem, the death. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's possible. So we just kind of have to do our best. I mean, if there's going to be a main clause, um, maybe it would be, uh, no. I think it'd be in verse five. We didn't. We didn't submit for an hour. We didn't yield to submit for an hour. To whom we didn't. Neither did we yield to submit. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I'm intrigued. You're you're caught up on the verb. I'm intrigued by what is it? What is this freedom? And how is there slavery? Uh, that. That to me is really interesting. I think it goes back to circumcision. I'm not sure we're at table, like food and eating quite yet. Maybe we are, but I think we think we're in the thick of uh, the circumcision discussion. And I I think he's maybe doing some sort of euphemism or punning here uh, where the, the freedom is to be a Christ follower without being circumcised. That is not enslaved to the Jewish tradition or a law that mandates circumcision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that does make sense. So they have a purpose to enslave us. And I think it's interesting that Paul would include himself with that. In other words, to force circumcision onto Titus, a Greek, would entail enslavement of the whole Christian movement. Exactly. Remember, so I was saying in earlier that, uh, at least from my vantage point, the point of circumcision in Genesis is to mark yourself as a slave has yielded your body, even your reproductive glands or organs to God's mandate to be fruitful, multiply, fill the land. Well, when we get into uh, post-Jesus territory, um, that mandate is still applicable, but it's morphed. How, How now in light of Christ do we be fruitful, multiply, and fill the land? It's no longer through our necessarily through our reproduction but through the great commission um yep so when he's talking about enslaving us here again i think he's talking about what genesis was talking about you you're marking yourself as this slave in a sense through circumcision that christ has given us freedom that we no longer have to do that yet we become slaves of christ in a different way by circumcising our hearts. Hmm. Yeah, I think the enslavement, I think as Paul will explain it here, is is being under the law. Like, yeah. he's going to contrast 
being a slave versus being a child or a, a son. Yeah. 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 So, so interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff here. Um, just looking ahead, I know in verse five and verse six, uh, we're, we're still getting more of these the the. Um, and then mm-hmm. in in seven we get the Allah, eight we get the uh, Gar. Uh, so we'll get there eventually. But um, so yeah, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up our thoughts on chapter two, verses three and four? Well, these verses are complex because of not having a, a main verb explicitly. Although I think you may be right that it goes back to an, Anang Kas the, of, the, of verse three. I think that's the best way to make sense of it. Um, yeah. They're complex grammatically. They're yeah. complex yeah. theologically. They're complex yeah. contextually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I guess I just want to say like scripture reading in a sense is always complex. Yeah. Uh, this is why I'm not a, f- a fan of like, I actually discourage people from doing daily devotions. <laughs> um, like, like reading, it's kind of maybe odd to hear a pastor say that, but that's, yeah, it is. that's where I'm at. I don't encourage people to do that. I discourage them from doing that. Don't do daily devotions um, because it, it simply creates and prolongs an uninformed and simplistic reading of scripture. That maybe mm. sounds really harsh, mm. but I would much rather someone read five or six verses at a time and dwell on them for an entire week than, you know, reading you know, a scattered, a random verse here and a random verse there to make me yeah. feel good and get my day going. No, pick a passage and as a whole and dwell on it for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so do yeah. a daily reading, do a daily reading, but don't, don't fall into that trap of devotion that we're, we're, we've been so inclined in evangelical circles to talk about. Yeah. Um, that kind and of prayerfully read it, prayerfully and thoughtfully read it, and let it bother you. I mean, let yeah. it let it question you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so. don't disagree with that. Well, I have a quote here. It's All a right, parting one. shot. Yeah, it's a long one. Why, Lord, is it so hard for me to make you the only one? Why do I keep hesitating to surrender myself totally to you? Help me, O oh Lord, to let my old self die to let die the thousand big and small ways in which I am still building up my false self and trying to cling to my false desires. Let me be reborn in you and see through you the world in the right way so that all my questions, words, and thought can be come a hymn of praise to you. I need your loving grace to travel on this hard road that leads to the death of my old self and to a new life in and for you. I know and trust that this is the road to freedom. Henry Nowen. Mm, How mm. appropriate. Yeah. Appropriate freedom. Yeah. Well, well, thank you guys for listening. Thanks, Fred, for your insights. 
And we hope that you're finding the podcast beneficial. If so, leave us a note on the Glossa House website or uh, on one of your podcast outlets. We'd love to give you a shout out. Uh, yeah, share the podcast with others and listen in next time as we pick up at Galatians 2.5. Until then, aloha. Bye.